Hi, and welcome to Elevate Potential. I'm so glad that you're here. This is a podcast that is designed to help you escape patterns, embrace passion, and elevate potential. My name is Elizabeth Perry, and as a lifelong student of psychology, personal development, and human potential, as well as a transpersonal life and leadership coach, I will be your guide as together we learn from others who are on this journey. Let's dive in. And then you realize like, oh my gosh, I haven't even been truly evaluating. Like, is this a person I want to be with? I've just been so anxiously trying to show up as my best. Hello and welcome to Elevate Potential. Today we will be diving into part two of attachment, dating, and relationships. We will talk a little more about our experiences with attachment and sharing some solutions, but also myths that are out there about singleness and dating. This one is about to get juicy, so grab your journal and get ready to hit that rewind button if you need. (laughs) Let's jump in. All right. I am so excited about part two of this because I feel like we could have talked for hours last time and we definitely had to stop ourselves. But I want just to kick it off talking a little bit more about your experiences because I'd love to hear from you, you know, what attachment style you relate to the most and how that shows up for you in dating and relationships across the board. (laughs) Yeah, of course. I love and hate this question (laughs) because it starts to get a little bit more personal, but Hey, that's why we're here. So it's interesting. I don't know how much I shared last time, but attachment styles was something that I, another, you know, another thing that I learned because of you, I remember having a conversation in my kitchen as we were making dinner or something about someone that I was talking to and all of my anxiety about it, my overthinking, my wondering, you know, what are they thinking? What are they doing? And you're like, Hey, there's this idea uh, called attachment styles. Have you heard about it? (laughs) I think it might be really helpful. Um, And at that point, I I wasn't really ready to dive in yet, but you were very correct in your observations of my anxious attachment at that time. And what's interesting for me is that once I started learning about it, I started reading attached and, and looking into what attachment styles were. I actually identified more with the avoidant attachment. And I remember at the time telling my therapist that I thought I was avoidant and her response was like the hmm interesting tell me why (laughs) because she was identifying that I was more avoidant so I eventually kind of realized I have parts of both in very different ways for me I think before the pandemic honestly I wasn't I still had a lot of anxious attachment but being by myself for so long, I definitely got, I think, more towards the anxious side because once I started dating again, I was overthinking, I was over planning, I was over, I don't know, wanting almost. And it took kind of a while for me to kind of get back to a place of more secure. Um, So part of my journey has been learning about my avoidant and my anxious styles and by learning about it and being aware of the the way that I I view my relationships helped me kind of create more secure habits 
and the way that I communicate and the way that I see, I still have a lot of anxious. I still have a lot of avoidant, but I do feel more confident in being able to say that I'm growing into more secure attachment. Mm, that's beautiful. Yeah, I can super relate when listening back to the old the episode that we've already recorded on attachment. I think that in some ways I idolize people who have avoidant attachment styles because, you know, they just seem so like, oh, I don't care. I don't need anyone. And I do feel like I am a little bit more on the anxious side, though avoidant still does show up. And I wonder for you, I think, I think it's complex for everyone and it's like moment by moment for you. Could you give us an example? Cause I feel like examples really help bring it to life for other people. Could you give us an example of like a situation where your anxious showed up and maybe a situation where your avoidance showed up? Absolutely. Oh, this is scary. <laughs> I told you. <laughs> but here we but here we go. Here we go. Um, so the reason I identified more with avoidant at first was because my first two kind of big relationships, I ended them. And I ended them because I I don't I couldn't really identify why at the time. I think there's a lot of different reasons I gave myself, but it was almost like I I have had this like desire to be in a relationship, but I had these thoughts of this relationship is going to get end at some point anyways. I'm young and I should be learning about myself and not depending on this relationship even if it is a really good relationship. I just had a lot of these thoughts of of maybe even not being confident in what I knew a good relationship was and wanting to learn that on my own, which to me meant not being in a relationship, but kind of trying on different relationships. I would say in my, I guess my first two relationships, I felt like I was pushing them away and finding reasons for them not to work, even the parts of them that were really good. And then once my last relationship ended, which was uh, three years ago now, maybe more, three and a half, no, almost four years ago now. <laughs> God. Ever since then, in trying on these different relationships, these different kinds of, of people almost, that's when I think the anxious came up a lot more because I started to kind of second guess my own my own role in the relationship. And a, an example that I can give is last summer, um, again, after the pandemic and spending a lot of time by myself, I wanted to start dating again. So I got on the apps. I went on um, a first date. And I just remember before the date, I was so anxious. I was so in my head. I felt like in conversation, I liked this guy so much. The the He was kind of all these, checked these boxes in my head. And to me, that meant like, oh, I want to make sure that he likes me. And I want to make sure that I'm good enough for him and that I like live up to whatever expectation he has from my profile. And we went on a date. It was, you know, pretty good. We went on a second date and that in that conversation, I remember saying, you know, I don't want to just date to date. I want to date for a relationship. And he affirmed what I said and was like, yeah, I'm looking for that too. And something about that got me so excited of the potential of actually being in a relationship again and having someone and building that bond that 
it was, I think probably that night or the next night that I saw all of you guys, we all had a girl's night and I didn't know this, but I kept bringing him up in conversation. I kept, you know, talking about the, you know, the potential of this. And this is after a second date. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I was just overwhelmed with like this possibility. And I think we maybe went on one more date after that. Um, and I can guarantee you that I was way too much. Like my, my insecurities came up so much in just wanting that relationship so bad that I also wasn't even thinking, do I like you? Mm. Like, are you actually what I want? Because I was so worried about being enough for them, being what they wanted that I wasn't really paying attention to if this was someone that I would even want to build a relationship with. And so I feel like since then I've definitely been in other, I don't know, situationships mm-hmm. <laughs> where that anxiety of being good enough for them comes up. But something that I found really helpful was a workshop that I did with, uh, I don't remember her name. I'll have to find it, but she talked about the, your, your goddess, you know, dating goddess dating, I think she called it. And instead of going into it thinking, Oh, am I what they want going into it really comfortable and confident in yourself and what you what you want, what you need, and really thinking of it as if I am comfortable with you and you're comfortable with me, that's that's the goal, not to try to impress or try to, um, I don't know, live up to someone else's expectations. Mm. Oh, my, it's, that's so funny because my mom just sent me a video of Elaine Welterwath talking on the show, The Talk. And it was after a conversation with my mom um, where she told me that, like, I guess for the past like, month, she's been praying for my husband's heart, which I just feel like is the sweetest thing ever. Um, and, and can she can she pray for my husband's heart, too, please? I'll put you on the prayer list. Can I put in a request? I'll put you on the prayer list. <laughs> please, please. It's actually so funny because I feel like I do have, like, a lot of prospects right now. And I'm like, thanks, mom. <laughs> Um, <laughs> love <but> it. <laughs> long story short, she sent me this video of Elaine Walteroth saying, "When you find the one, it's really nothing like it in the movies, and if it's anything like that, like fairy tale, like roller coaster, what you hear in love songs, it's probably not it." And she was like, "What's what's really yeah, it yeah. is when you feel comfortable, you feel like yourself, you feel safe, mm-hmm. you feel secure." That is so tough because when you have this working definition of love from childhood that is anxious, that is, you know, inconsistent, those emotion that like associating security and safety with love could be a little bit more difficult. While you were talking, a couple of things came up for me. And one of which is I forgot one of the things relating to avoidant attachment that I feel like rings super true for me and oftentimes for others is when you have an avoidant attachment style, you have a tendency to like romanticize things of the past when you're in something current, like always comparing them to your ex, but it's not even like who your ex actually was. It's like this idealized version of only remembering the good times of your ex, but not remembering like Mm -hmm. when he cheated on you or like, you know, all these other things, not speaking from personal experience at all, but, um, you know, (laughs) Uh 
And I think that that part of avoidant attachment style, I can really relate to. But what you shared about kind of holding on super tightly because you get so excited and then you realize like, oh my gosh, I haven't even been truly evaluating like, is this a person I want to be with? I've just been so anxiously trying to show up as my best. And I don't know about you, but sometimes I do that. And then once I finally got them, I'm like, oh, cool. You like me now. We like each other. We're going to make this thing. And then I'm like, wait, I actually don't like you. Crap. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And then at that point, you've spent time and energy in building something that you're like, okay, am I overthinking? Is it that I actually don't like them? Is there something else going on? And part of it that I think we sometimes both fall into too is once you understand like avoidant and anxious, you're like, okay, so is this my avoidant self coming up? and trying to find something wrong with something that's actually really good? Or is it that I just don't like him and that's okay? Mm -hmm. Did I work so hard to be this like version of myself to be liked and now I'm liked, but it's not actually the kind of relationship that, that we're looking for. And that's such a balance too, because like, (sighs) this is a hard conversation and listening back to these, I am learning so much about myself because I am dealing with this right now. It's not something that I feel like I have made a lot of like leaps and bounds on. I mean, I have, but I'm still working on it. And this week I was chatting with my coach and my coach shared this quote and it's just so amazing. I want to read it verbatim. He said, it was, it was a, it was a song lyric and he said, hold on loosely but don't let go. If you cling too tightly, you're going to lose control. And Hmm. that's one of the things that I'm honestly working on right now is like, okay, I like this guy and it's okay to be excited. It's okay to, you know, like show that I like him and, you know, speak my needs. It's okay to, you know, be excited about it. It's not okay to obsessively think about him. It's not okay for all of my conversations to be about, you know, if he likes me, if he doesn't, because I don't want to hold on too tightly to it or get myself too wound up over it that I'm not seeing clearly. Right. Exactly. I want to see clearly like, Hey, is he treating me the way I want to be treated? Is he showing up in this in a way that I like I'm looking for in a partner? Mm -hmm. And also like, am I making space for him to be human? Am I making space for myself to be human? Because without that, genuine connection just won't form. Like if I'm not showing up with my flaws and my insecurities and my whole self, and I'm not allowing him to do that either, then we're not going to create a real connection. And I think that that's something that I've been trying to be super cognizant of is like, yeah, I'm going to tell him that I haven't done my taxes yet this year. And it's (laughs) September 1st. Like I'm going to be honest about who I am. And I'm going to show up that way, even if it's scary. And I'm going to like breathe through it so that I can like present in the moment with how he is, you know, responding and how he's acting. And I just feel like that quote of like, don't hold on too tight, like, but don't let go, you know, holding on too tight to me is like anxious attachment. And then just letting go, that's avoidant attachment. But staying in that middle ground 
is so difficult and so frustrating, but also so beautiful. That is the process of like getting to know someone and figuring out if you guys really like each other. And maybe sometimes you don't. And that's okay too. That doesn't mean that you're avoidant. It just means that like you don't like each other. But Mm -hmm. yeah, that like stuck in the middle phase is super tough. I've actually been really loving this Ty Verde song called Stuck in the Middle which is all about this. Ooh. So plug Ty Verdes. I love this song. Shout out to my friend Christy for showing it to me. It's amazing. <laughs> yes. Well, as you we were talking to, I think part of what happens with the tat with that anxious attachment to is when you're thinking about them all the time and like obsessing almost over them, you, I think sometimes start to build this idea of them that isn't even necessarily them. Yeah. So then it's almost not fair because then they disappoint you because they're not living up to this idea that you've like built up of them that isn't really them either. And then on the other hand, with avoidant, I think something else that I have um, been guilty of is I don't want it to seem like I like them too much. So in in that way, in the getting to know each other process, I create distance Mm -hmm. or I don't respond right away because I don't want to seem excited. And I think part of becoming more secure is the allowing myself to be excited and allowing myself to message someone if I'm interested and let them know what I'm thinking or what I'm feeling. And it doesn't have to be something that I overthink. If I'm overthinking it, then it's probably there's probably an emotion with that person that maybe isn't what I need. And if I can just, you know, text when I want say how I feel, that means that I'm probably feeling really comfortable with this person. And I am at a a secure place to share and want to receive that back. Oh, yes. I can so relate. My ego, (laughs) like my ego has Mm, gotten in so much trouble because I think sometimes I forget that like the other person has like emotions and feelings and insecurities and a life and their like their world doesn't just like revolve around me unfortunately no I'm kidding I've been in really I've like been in situations like that and that's not what I want and I know that that's not what I want Mm -hmm. but I still have this tendency to like get mad when things don't go my way or like you know be not want to reach out first, not really want to put myself out there and expecting them to always do that and not realizing when I made a mistake. Right. And like recently I had a situation where I've been seeing this guy and, you know, we kind of hadn't talked for a couple days and we hadn't seen each other and we didn't have plans on the calendar. And I had to kind of like swallow my pride and be like, Hey, I miss you. I would really like to see you. Like, and we get some plans on the calendar. And it was so like nerve wracking for me, but I just kept telling myself like, you know what? If he likes you, then this isn't gonna be a turnoff. And if he doesn't like you, then it will be a turnoff. And then you have the information that like, it's not gonna work out. But it's not too much to say like, hey, I miss you, I'd love to see you soon. Like, let's get plans on the calendar. Mm-hmm. Um, and also how good does it feel when someone says that to you? Oh, totally. You know, if you, if you put yourself in the other, in the other perspective, if we're always waiting for someone to reach out to us, then that can be exhausting too, to not have it be, you know, reciprocated. Totally. Yeah. Like 
putting myself in their shoes, it's like, oh, I don't always want to be the one that's asking you what your schedule is. Mm-hmm. And it is a balance to dance. And like, you have to be willing to like make moves as well. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I just think that that's super important. It's important to show up as your full self and like not, yeah, just like not let ego get in the way because that for me, ego gets in the way so often and it's not fair to the other person. Like I make mistakes too. I'm like yeah. not perfect. And I can't, and when I realize that about myself, it gives me so much more compassion for like when they show up maybe not as their best selves one day. Mm, Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. As you were talking, it kind of reminded me of someone else that I was seeing, I guess, for a little bit. And I had the experience of being on the other side of they're super introverted and um, don't, don't make any moves. So it was kind of on me too. And I realized, you know, after, you know, a few, um, like times of hanging out that I was starting to get in my head about if they even liked me because I was always the one making the moves. And it, it kind of made me realize how often do guys feel like mm-hmm. this, that we're sitting here, you know, wanting them to make the move. We want them to show their interest, but if we never reciprocate and like take that step to do it in return, then eventually I could imagine that it might feel like, Oh, like, do they actually like me? Do they want me to keep pursuing? And that can be really confusing or tough for someone who is on the other side. So I don't know. I, I definitely learned <laughs> how kind of how that feels to, to be required to always initiate. And that can be, that can be a lot too. Yeah. And I feel like that is one of like the myths around dating. It's like, we're told as women, like, you know, don't show too much interest. Like, Another one that I've heard is like, you want him to be just like a little bit more into you than you are to him. Mm. And mm-hmm. there's just so many of these myths out there that are often told to single people that I feel like really are not helpful. <laughs> yeah. They almost perpetuate your singleness. Totally. <laughs> like if you follow all of these like dating kind of advice, it's like, mm, that's, that's not, that's not real. Yeah. And I think one of those is like the trying to play hard to get, you know, mm-hmm. like don't text too fast or, you know, whatever. It's like, if they're into me, then like, they'll like that I text them back and they'll like mm-hmm. that as soon as I read the message, I respond or mm-hmm. whatever, you know, like, I think that you only have to play hard to get when you're dealing with somebody who's avoidant and then you're probably Mm -hmm. never going to have the relationship that you want if you constantly Mm -hmm. have to like hold yourself back from being your full self yeah no absolutely and i think part of it too is the all of these kind of myths and and these rules that we tell single people all of that is, is games. It's like playing mind games of like, Ooh, what am I supposed to say? How am I supposed to act? How am I supposed to dress? Do I want to dress, you know, certain ways. And if you feel like you need to play games, then that's probably some, not someone that you need to be with. Yeah. Say that again. Right. I like, I say so I was like, Ooh, I needed that for myself. Yeah. <laughs> but seriously, if, if, if you feel like in order to get someone to have someone, you have to play games. That's not someone that you want to be with. Exactly. And 
if you get so caught in playing the game, like you're just going to be stuck in the game, but you're never going to retire. You're never going to get rid of the roster. (laughs) You're just going to keep the roster. Retire the roster. (laughs) Retire the roster. Like if you have a starting QB, just run with it. You're right. Well, I I will say too, I think sometimes it's important to realize when is the game something that you're creating Mm -hmm. and when is the game something that is existing with this person that you're seeing? Because there are some people that you date and are like, this is, this is all going to be games. That's that's all it is. And then there's sometimes where it is our anxious or avoidant selves that are, are playing the games in our heads. And if that's what's happening, if we can be aware of the fact that we're overthinking that we're, you know, playing games with ourselves and maybe even something that I, I find really helpful is when I'm in that space of playing games within my head is verbalizing that with a person that I'm talking to, because then it's something that we as a potential couple can deal with together and work through together versus me trying to overthink and overanalyze everything. Oh, yeah. And sometimes what happens is they've been, you know, wondering the same thing, or it opens up this, this conversation that really allows us to connect more and like go deeper because now there's more openness in, in what we're experiencing together. Yeah, definitely. I actually experienced that recently. I was seeing somebody and they were being a little inconsistent with communication. And I ended up saying like, Hey, like when you're inconsistent, I get anxious. Like it, it touches my like wounds of like anxious attachment and it activates like my anxious attachment style. And I would just appreciate like a little bit more consistency. And in some ways it's like, Hey, we're meeting each other halfway. Like I am working on this and like, this is something that I'm working on. But you know, like if you go multiple days without texting me, like that is going to cause me anxiety. And so I would prefer even just like Hey, like this is a busy season at work. I may not be like able to communicate as often the next few days. And then that's like, oh, okay, I know that. And then I'm not constantly thinking like, oh, like what's going on? Like, why isn't he texting me? Instead, I know like, oh, it's a busy season at work or whatever, you know, and expressing, hey, like when you're inconsistent, I feel this way. And I was wondering if we could maybe come up with an agreement that like works for both of us so that we can both feel like comfortable and safe. And yeah, it ended up working out. So he's like, oh, like totally get that. I'm sorry. Like I'm going to work on it. I think that that's super important. Yeah, absolutely. I think that kind of goes along the lines of what we are almost unlearning from our attachment and from past experiences, because something else that goes with attachment is if you're in a relationship with someone who is anxious or who is avoidant, there are things about that relationship that you learn to be true. One of the things that I've had to kind of unlearn because I was in a relationship with someone who was was pretty avoidant. So I learned in that relationships that my needs were too much. Mm. So I took that experience and that learning into future, you know, people that I was seeing feeling like, oh, if I say what I need, then that's going to be too much. I'm going to be needy, Mm -hmm. but our needs aren't needy when we're communicating them to the right people. And on the other end of the spectrum, if we don't communicate our needs, then they can't be met. 
we have expectations that aren't being filled, but also maybe people who want to fill them, who want to, to support us, but they can't if we also don't verbalize that. So I think there's some, some unlearning even from past relationships that can happen. And I think that's something that is important to know is that when you're in relationship with somebody who is avoidant, you are naturally going to become more anxious because Mm -hmm. they aren't texting you back. They are like leaving you on read for multiple days. Like they are, they probably are seeing other people. Like they don't want to be in a relationship really like fundamentally at their core they don't like that is avoidant attachments like they want to avoid and Mm -hmm. so if you're in a relationship with somebody who is very extremely avoidant you will become more anxious and I think that that's Mm -hmm. how like our relation our attachment style evolves over time and you may have had super secure relationships with your parents but maybe your first boyfriend was Maybe you had a toxic relationship with your first boyfriend and that can very well change your attachment style. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I I love that attached talks about how it, it it can evolve over time. And the other part that they, I think, describe really well that I found interesting and maybe helpful is that even though about half the population give or take is secure and a quarter is, is um, avoidant and a quarter is anxious, you know, about mm-hmm. there are more people in the dating pool who are avoidant because avoidant people don't want to stay in relationships. So the chances of someone who's single dating someone who is avoidant is pretty high. Yeah. So I think part of this conversation is really helpful also for us to understand not only our attachment styles, but also to be aware of other people's attachment styles when we're dating them so that we can have those conversations, not to change ourselves, not to, you know, fit ourselves to what they need, but to just be aware of it. I think that's something that's helpful. And I feel like you kind of got to sift through the avoidance who really aren't looking for a relationship in order to find somebody who is secure and is looking for a relationship. And what that means is you may speak your needs and they may be like, well, I can't just text you all the time. Like I'm, <laughs> I'm busy and like, you're just going to have to understand that. And like, honestly, you're just being too sensitive and too much. and you know what your response to that is oh okay that's interesting information it doesn't seem like you actually want to be in a partnership and so this is over and i'm gonna go date somebody else okay (laughs) (laughs) but that's permission to exit the situation yeah and it's like you may speak your needs and like they may not want to meet them they may be avoidant because there are more avoidance in the dating pool and so part of speaking your needs showing that you are interested in a person and just being your authentic self is getting getting to the answer quicker like either yeah they're gonna hang with you or they're gonna play games for like a week and a half before you hang out yeah and with what you said too i think realizing that them not being the right fit for you doesn't mean that there's something wrong with you I think a lot of times when we date someone who ends up not liking us or things end for some reason, we blame ourselves and we're like, what did I do wrong? What could I have done differently? And in most scenarios, there isn't something that you 
could have, should have done differently. That just wasn't your person. And not being in that relationship, not dating that person frees you up to find the person that is right, who does appreciate those things about you, who doesn't make you feel overwhelmed, who doesn't make you anxious. So keeping that in mind too. And it's it's so hard when you're going through a breakup. It's so hard when you're feeling rejected, but remembering that someone else is out there that is better, I think is helpful. Yeah. Yeah, totally. (laughs) So I, I feel like, you know, in dating, it's like, you're going to come across, you're going to have to kiss a lot of frogs. You know, they, they do say that. And I think that's a myth. That's like a colloquial, like, um, advice that actually might be accurate, you know, like, yeah, you kind of do have to kiss a lot of frogs. (laughs) I care for a lot of us. I think there are some people who are lucky who find their person who aren't anxious, who just like, yep, you're mine. We're here. We're good. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But a lot of us, it's okay to, to kiss all those frogs. (laughs) Uh, And also, I love, we're gonna end on kissing frogs. Kiss all the frogs. <laughs> we're kissing all of them. No shame. Uh, so to to close out, we always end with a book recommendation. And I know there is a book that you wanted to share uh, with everyone for today. What what might that be? Yes. So the book is called Journey to the Heart, and it's daily meditations on the path to freeing your soul. And what I love about this book is it gives you some like really amazing affirmations to meditate on and to just like carry throughout your day. And one of the ones that I really love, I'm just going to share really quickly, is when you look around, feel insecure and wonder who you can trust. Know you can always trust yourself. And then the affirmation is trust and respond to your own heart. Trust the wisdom and guidance within you. I love this book because it provides just so many great nuggets to hold on to throughout your day to remind you that you have the answers. You can trust yourself. And there's so many great little anecdotes about non-attachment, about secure relationship. And it's just really beautiful. And so I would highly recommend getting this book and reading the daily meditations because I did this for a full year and I truly feel like it was really, really helpful. That is awesome. Thank you for the recommendation for us all to jump into and give it a try. I don't know about you, but this conversation was definitely a little bit harder, but I am excited to continue sharing our experiences, sharing our stories, because these are the things that we're all dealing with and I think we both believe the more we talk about them, even the hard things, even the things we mess up on, that's how we're all going to learn and grow together. So thank you for another great conversation. I can't wait until the next one. Yes, me too. And I also just want to do another plug for Ty Verde's album TV because it's super good. (laughs) Yes. So everyone turn off this podcast. And go listen to this yeah, album. I mean, can I'm I get to do that right now? Deal? Like, I have no relationship <laughs> to Divertis, but I love this album. So yeah, go listen. <laughs> All right. Love it. On our Thanks, way. Thanks, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us today. I hope you enjoyed that conversation as much as I did. As always, any books, links, or resources that were mentioned in the episode will be in the show notes for you to access. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a comment. We would love to hear from you. 
or feel free to send us a direct message on Instagram at Elevate Potential Podcast if you would like to be a guest on this show. Finally, please subscribe and download episodes in order to support the community that we are creating of people who are working to elevate their potential together. Until next time.